Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're talking about women's health and hormones. Now, this is going to be the last of our hormone series on Hormone Month. And this, look at hormones as your communication network. Now, people tend to think of women's hormone problems as starting midlife or menopause. But the truth is, hormonal issues can develop way before adolescent years, even even before birth. And what we're seeing in our population, we're seeing that these irregularities, these this dysfunctional pattern uh, is uh, seen throughout our population now. So what type of uh, hormonal-related or or problems are, are women facing today? Well, of course, we've got menstrual irregularities, urinary tract incontinence or infections. Uh, but what does that mean? The, the, what about um, when you look at this, what's the problem is the communication between the bladder and the brain or this incontinence or the pelvic floor. So we're looking at an actual structural integrity problem. When we look at pelvic floor disorders, so this means compromised blood supply or nerve supply, and this is going to cause vaginitis, bacterial vaginosis. Uh, You can also have uterine fibroids. What about polycystic ovary syndrome? Endometriosis. So all of these are dysfunctions of the communication or compromised blood supply or nerve supply. Uh, Breast cancer, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer. Again, these cancers are affecting now one and two. What about pregnancy issues? Um, Prenatal care, miscarriages, birth, preterm labor or premature birth. When you're looking at the death, the maternal mortality rate in this country is at epidemic levels. That means we're losing more moms. So what, what about thyroid disorders, migraines, irritable bowel, urinary tract, kidney disease, osteoporosis? You hear this everywhere. So where is this? Why are women, I mean, 50% of the population, why are they so sick? Why are they getting sicker? What's the problem? Now, I've got um, this picture that I'm going to show on tonight at the Health, at the um, True Health Tuesdays. And we go through uh, nail, uh, nail coloring, perfume, fake tan, lipstick, eyeshadow, blush, foundation, deodorant, body lotion, hairsprays, all of the chemicals that a woman is exposed to and what they do. They're literally endocrine disruptors. Now, you have endocrine disruptors in the food. You've got it in the the clothing, in the chemicals that, that are put on the skin, in what you breathe. Now, what are endocrine disruptors? Well, when you know you have this communication pathway, you've got the electric system and the hormonal system. Endocrine disruptors, they can mimic hormones. They can signal cell death. They can actually bind to hormones that your body secretes naturally. They can turn one hormone into another. They can accumulate in inside of hormone-producing organs, and that's going to form a tumor or fibroid. They can interfere with hormone signals. They can increase or decrease production of certain hormones. So where are these? Well, endocrine disruptors are they're just about every pharmaceutical. They're in children toys and adult toys, food products, textiles, personal care products. I mean, you're talking perfumes, pesticides, 
it's everywhere. So what does the, the Endocrine Review say? And this was out of 2009. And it's interesting because they quote from one of the articles that I put last week. And they say, here, listen to this quote. In the adult female, the first evidence of endocrine disruption was provided almost 40 years ago through observations of uncommon vaginal adenocarcinomas in daughters born 15 to 20 years earlier to women treated with the first synthetic estrogen, DES. Okay, so we talked about DES last week, how it was the very first synthetic hormone uh, developed in 1938, passed out from 1940 to 1971, and it affects multiple generations. But let's look at this. Endocrine-disrupting chemicals often act via more than one mechanism. Some endocrine-disrupting chemicals have mixed steroidal properties. For example, a single uh, endocrine-disrupting chemical may have both estrogenic and androgenic properties. Isn't that interesting? So these chemicals can do a lot of different activities, and that's why I want to get you to expand your perception of what's going on now. When we look at the very first one used, so this means the first endocrine-disrupting chemical used affects a minimum of three generations down. Does it affect the fourth generation? We don't know. They're not here yet. So, I mean, this is a generational problem. So what other types of endocrine disruptors are out there? Well, let's look at bromine. Bromine is one of the most popular ones. Now, this is, it's used in baked bread. It's used in soft drinks. It's used in medications, fire retardants. Um, baked goods, plastic, pesticides. And so what does bromine do? Well, you're talking potassium. Bromide is in flowers and bakery goods. Uh, brominated vegetable oils are in soft drinks, you know, sun, um, sun drops, squirt, fresca, uh, and medications such as inhalers, nasal sprays, uh, stomach ulcers, and anesthesia medications. Now, Let's just look at bromine, because this is an endocrine disruptor. It's used as a baking agent. So when you go into the store and they say non-brominated flowers, well, what's bromine? Well, it's a halide. Now, halides, if you remember that periodic table of elements, bromine, fluoride, chlorine, chlorine are all a similar in structure to iodine. Now, iodine has four important functions of the body. However, if your body is iodine deficient and you're exposed to bromine, you're exposed to fluoride, you're exposed to chlorine, and you don't have iodine, this can take the place of that, and it's going to be a poor import. And so this is why the hormone-producing organs like the thyroid aren't going to be functioning correctly because of this endocrine-disrupting chemical. Now, what is the, th the four things that the thyroid does? Well, it stabilizes metabolism, body weight, uh, helps with brain development, fertility. <clears throat> it's an antibacterial, antiparasitic, antiviral, and anti-cancer. So now let's read this backwards. That means if you have a dysfunction of iodine and you're exposed to endocrine-disrupting chemicals that mimic iodine, 
Could you have a problem with metabolism? How about body weight or obesity? How about brain development or Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, brain fog? What about fertility issues? Is that rampant today? What about common infections, viral infections and cancer? So this is just one example of what happens when you have something that can mimic, uh, that's an endocrine-disrupting chemical that can negatively affect the thyroid. Well, what kind of things are these endocrine-disrupting chemicals doing just for the thyroid? Well, if we look at it, how about depression, heart disease, fibromyalgia, menopause, IBS, autoimmune disorders? All of these, all of these can be from the endocrine disrupting problems to the thyroid. <clears throat> now, what about stress levels today? Uh, now, if you look at stress levels, you have an inflammation. It is rampant. Now, inflammation is from tissue damage. So if people have a sedentary lifestyle, poor sleep, toxic food products, they're taking medications or they're vaccinated, because you've got to figure the average 18-year-old, 18 to 25-year-old, is walking around on the planet after 69 doses of 16 different vaccines. Now those all trigger an inflammatory response, a TH2 response. So does that mean that everybody that's gone through the vaccine prog program uh, is going to have systemic inflammation? Absolutely. What about all the medications and toxins that can damage the body? They're also going to have inflammation. Well, the body's going to respond by producing cortisol, which is one of the greatest anti-inflammatories out there. Here's the challenge. Cortisol imbalance deregulate your female hormones such as estrogen. It, you got to figure both estrogen and progesterone are necessary for the female cycle and their balance is key, but cortisol can disrupt that balance. And so that means anything that damages uh, the body or anything that's a stressor can negatively affect uh, cortisol levels, which is immediately going to disrupt estrogen. <clears throat> so what kind of stressors are people under today? We've got emotional, physical, and chemical stress. Now, the body is designed to deal with emotional, chemical, and physical stress. It really is. But we're reaching the limit here. And how can you tell? By looking at the amount of diseases out there. How? Uh, what are fertility rates? What are uh, the... Illness rates, we're talking one in two of our population has cancer. So let's, let's just look at cancer. So when we're talking about endocrine-disrupting chemicals, we're going to look at thyroid and, and what, what the majority of people are going through. But let's look at the most popular type of cancers. Let's look at invasive versus non-invasive breast cancer. <clears throat> the non-invasive, we're going to look at ductal carcinoma in situ, that's DCIS. Now, these are, are well, I don't want to say cancers because they just changed the category where ductal carcinoma in situ is no longer considered a cancer. But let's just call it for cancer for now. So the non-invasive or ductal carcinoma in situ or lobar carcinoma in situ. The invasive type of breast cancer is called invasive ductal carcinoma. Now, when we look at this, let's look at non-invasive breast cancer. That's non-invasive. That means it's not going to progress. Now, before mammography, 
only 3% of detected breast cancers were identified as DCIS. After mammography, a third of the breast cancers were identified as the non-invasive ductal carcinoma in situ. Okay, because I want you to own this, that before this testing procedure, uh, very few, 3% of breast cancers were ductal carcinoma in situ. Now, this is a non-invasive form of breast cancer. After the screenings, a third of them were. As a result of this diagnosis, 33% get a mastectomy. 48% get a lumpectomy and radiation. 16% get a lumpectomy, and 3% do nothing. Now, here's the challenge. Let's look at the invasive procedures. In a 25-year-long study in the, published in the International Journal of Cancer, 80%, 80%, 8 out of 10 of early-stage breast cancers do not progress to more concerning forms of breast cancer, even after 20 years. And the Journal of the American Medical Association goes into state... <coughs> use of the term cancer should be reserved for describing lesions with a reasonable likelihood of lethal progression if left untreated. Um, Pre-malignant conditions, such as ductal carcinoma in situ, should not be labeled as cancers or neoplasms, and nor should the word cancer be in the name. Wow. And so think of this. Invasive breast cancers, and this is the bad one, can spontaneously regress and this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, tumors that were detected on screening that would never have led to clinical symptoms. You're talking about 1.3 million women. And here's a quote out of the New England Journal of Medicine. We believe that many invasive breast cancers detected by repeated mammography screenings do not persist to be detected by screenings at the end of six years. That means they're not there suggesting that the natural course of many screen-detected invasive breast cancers spontaneously regress. Wow. Okay, let me read that again. Most invasive breast cancers, okay, detected by mammography screenings do not persist to be detested or do not persist to be detected by screening at the end of six years. That means within six years they disappear, suggesting the natural course of these breast cancers is spontaneously to regress. And then when you look at chemotherapy, the Journal of Oncology, they say that the overall contribution of chemotherapy to five-year survival was between 2.3% and 2.1%. And chemotherapy can damage the bone marrow, uh, can damage digestive tract, reproductive tract, hair follicles. I mean, it has, you're poisoning the body. Uh, and in the survey about 10 years ago, they found out that it's a, you know, it's a private survey, no one, you know, anonymous survey. They found out that 80% of the oncologists surveyed would not give chemotherapy to their relatives or friends. And they redid it just a couple of years ago, and they found out it went from 80% to 88% that these people would not give chemotherapy to their relatives. Let's look at Professor John Carnes from the Harvard University. 
quote, aside from rare cancers, it's not possible to detect any sudden change in death rates for any of the major cancers that could be credited to chemotherapy. Whether any of the common cancers can be cured by chemotherapy has yet been to be established. Oh, my goodness. So you start looking at this. Why are they doing this? Well, when we're talking about endocrine disruptors, has uh, an environmental factor that can form these cancers and the chemotherapy um, damages them, what kind of occurrences can happen? Well, even the U.S. government admits that chemotherapy and radiation cause cancer. And <laughs> I know. Okay, so let, let me read a quote from them. Current approaches to combat cancer rely primarily on the use of chemicals and radiation which are themselves carcinogenic and may promote recurrences and development of metastatic disease. When you start looking into this, you cannot fix a disease of metabolism or a disease of an adaptive physiologic response to chemicals by poisonous chemicals. Uh, when you look at Linus Pauling, two Nobel Prizes, Quote, everyone should know that most cancer research is largely a fraud. Let's look at uh, the Simone Protective Cancer Center, Dr. Charles B. Simone. Uh, quote, from 1920 to the present time, we've made little progress in the treatment of adult cancers. So a person who gets prostate cancer or breast cancer today will live as long as a person who got it in 1920. Yeah, winning the war on cancer, I don't think so. Uh, it, we, we just need to change. Realize that in the last 32 years, uh, breast cancer rates have increased 300%. That means that our population is getting sicker with more cancers. Realize, if you get a chance to read a, a book, it's called Cancer as a Metabolic Disease. This was written by Dr. Thomas N. Seafried. We're talking world-renowned researcher, field of genetics and biochemistry. Um, and it, a quote from his book, no real progress has been made in the management of advanced or metastatic cancer for more than 40 years. The number of people dying each year, each day, has changed little more in 10 years. And when you look at it, look at the causes of this. You're talking respiratory insufficiency, so this could be a problem with the neck or diaphragm, um, uh, viral infections, hypoxia, inflammation, environmental toxins, radiation, and carcinogens. Uh, he even quotes in the book, the view that most cancer is genetic disease is no longer credible. Uh, amazing. And when you look, and, and again, we're talking about hormones and cancer and how the body responds to the environment. Uh, realize that to protect, the protection of mitochondria from oxidative damage will reduce your risk of cancer. So this antioxidants protect against cancer. We know this. And for 80 years, they've been trying to fight cancer, and they haven't found the virus, fungus, bacteria, or pathogen that's causing this disease. So if there, you can't find the causative factor, but we do know that these toxic um, assaults, that these are carcinogen, why doesn't the world start to change and say, wow, you got cancer because you've had a toxic exposure? Not bad luck or bad genes, 
you got to look and to the, um, listen to this quote. Lifestyle changes will be needed to manage and prevent cancer. This means there is no magic pill that we take or prevent to cure cancer. We must change our relationship with food and lifestyle to prevent and cure cancer. Uh, a new era will emerge for cancer management and prevention once cancer becomes recognized as a met- metabolic disease. Brilliant. Brilliant. So there are some good doctors out there. So let's look at the stress response. And this whole conversation started about hormones and cortisol, which is secreted under stress. And we know that physical, chemical, and emotional stress, your body has the same response. And knowing that endocrine disruptors can interrupt that brain communication to keep some parts of your body under stress while limiting the growth and repair of others. What's the first response you get to stress? First, the emotional processing area of your brain called the amygdala has to be aware of the stress. Now, this interprets images and sound and perceives danger. Now, this immediately sends a signal to the hypothalamus. Last week, we talked about the hypothalamus and how it's unique. It has one foot on the electric system, one foot in the hormonal system. So any... Um, so the amygdala perceives it. It sends a signal over to the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus is, is one of the command centers of the body. It controls breathing, blood pressure, heartbeat, and it activates the autonomic nervous system. Under stress, it activates the sympathetic, which suppresses the parasympathetic. So this is the rest, digest, and repair mode. Now, this causes the adrenal glands to secrete. Again, we're talking hormones epinephrine, which increases the heart rate, blood flow, breathing, oxygen. I mean, it's amazing. You've got this um, second stage response. It's called the HPA axis or hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. Now, this relies on a series of hormonal signals from the central nervous system to allow this. So you have all these hormones that are released. You're talking uh, corticotropin-releasing hormone. You're talking adrenal corticotropic-releasing hormone. Um, Cortisol from the adrenal glands. All of these responses. Let's just look at cortisol. Cortisol. Now, we already know that cortisol can decrease estrogen. Why? Because when you're in a stressed state, you just want to survive. You're not trying to reproduce kids. So cortisol actually limits and decreases the function of estrogen. So somebody that's under a chronic sympathetic dominant state or a chronic stress state, uh, they're going to have decreased hormonal function or stressed hormonal function inside of the standard woman. So what does cortisol do? Well, it increases amino acid, the building blocks of proteins. It stimulates the liver to convert amino acids to glucose. It stimulates increased glycogen production in the liver. Okay, it increases, mobilizes fatty acids. It counteracts inflammation and allergies. And so, so all of this, the digestive, the reproductive, the endocrine system, all of these organs begin to break down because of lack of nutrients and blood flow based on the adrenal dominant state. So what does stress in the adrenals do? Well, you've got chronic stress in the adrenals. And again, this is a hormone-producing organ. Depression, osteoporosis, memory loss, vertigo, dizziness, dry and thin skin, 
postmenstrual or premenstrual symptoms, cognitive impairment. So what do you do realizing that fluorine, bromine, chlorine, I mean, all of these can negatively affect the, the hormone production? You've got to start supplement with high-dose iodine, high-dose vitamin C. Start utilizing unrefined sea salts. You can even take Epsom salts bath, and sweating in a sauna is fantastic, an infrared sauna. So what can you do for iodine deficiency? Supplement. Get some non-commercially harvested seaweeds. Make sure they're coming from a nice, clean ocean. Uh, you need about 5 grams a day or about an ounce per week. Now, also, you need healthy amounts of vitamin D3. Now, D3 influences up to 24,000 genes. I mean, vitamin D receptors are found throughout your body. Vitamin D deficiency is link, linked to increased heart disease, cancer, I mean, it's crazy. Proper vitamin D levels can reduce your risk of dying by up to 50% because vitamin D is a hormone. I mean, we need this. Uh, you're talking deficiency of vitamin D is osteoporosis, mental disorders, brain dysfunction, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular, cancers, all of this. So you have to optimize your vitamin D level. We're coming up to the summertime in the northern hemisphere, and it's the wintertime southern hemisphere. Supplement with vitamin D or increase your vitamin D exposure. You need about eight, ten thousand international units per day. You also need vitamin D and K2. They work synergistically together. You need vitamin K2 for proper utilization of vitamin D3. Now, this is found in grass-fed organic animal products, fermented foods, certain cheeses. And then you need minerals. Liquid-based mineral supplement is probably the most vital. <clears throat> but when we look at all of the minerals, magnesium is one that 80% of all Americans are magnesium deficient. Now, uh, every organ in your body uses magnesium, like heart, muscles, kidneys. Now, magnesium can be found in more than 300 different enzymes in your body. So, obviously, when you look at magnesium deficiency, you're talking uh, pre- and post-menstrual symptoms, osteoporosis, fibromyalgia, headaches, insomnia. So, what are natural sources of magnesium? How about dark green leafy vegetables, nuts, seeds, mackerel, fish, whole grains, avocado, bananas, cacao? All of these are natural sources of magnesium. And then breathing. That's right. When we're talking about hormones and women's health, breathing through your nose. Now, it's going to sound weird that you might think nose breathing is different than mouth breathing, but it actually is. The nerves in your nasal passages are directly connected to your hypothalamus, which regulates heart and breathing. So breathing in through your nose, you actually can produce more nitric oxide, which is made by your sinus mucous membranes. And as you breathe, this carries this nitric oxide into your lungs, and it's a natural bronchodilator. So just breathing through your nose, exercising, it's vital. Okay, and you've got to exercise every day because what does exercise do? It detoxes the body and gets the brain to work correctly. And then you've got the emotional stress that you can deal with every day. 
look at the neurolinguistic programming, look at daily prayer and meditation, uh, affirmations or I am statements. You can do emotional freedom technique. There's the Demartini method, uh, breakthrough process, which is out of this world. <clears throat> Basically, when you're talking about women's health, realize that they're exposed to so many endocrine disruptors and their systems are more at risk because a lot of pesticides are estrogen-based. <clears throat> and women themselves use more estrogen than men, even though men and women both use estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Women have a more estrogen-dominant state, so they're going to be more negatively affected when exposed to uh, estrogen endocrine disruptors. So to keep our girls healthy, they need a proper nerve supply. They need to get regular exercise, proper nutrition. This means organic whole foods, rest, um, sufficient sleep, and prayer and meditation. Now, we have all of this. Uh, this this month, we did nothing but hormones at the Extreme Health Academy. We've got webinars. I recommend you go to ExtremeHealthAcademy.com. And next month at ExtremeHealthChallenge.com, we're going to talk about the immune system and how to strengthen that. And we've got a cruise coming up next February 15th through the 21st in 2019. Actually, it's next March, and we're going to Cuba. It's going to be fun. But this is Dr. John Bergman. I am your health advocate. I tried to pack as much as I could in this half-hour talk, but, but watch our Tuesday night talk. It'll be broadcast live on Facebook, and then a week from now it'll be put on YouTube. But know that your body is smart. Your body is designed in the image and likeness of God. Treat it right, and it'll last you a lifetime. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.